0: It's Saturday, July 4th. Welcome to a new episode of Bazaar. I'm your host Sid and joining me in the studio today is Pranav Sangvi. Good to have you back on the show my friend.
1: Hi Siddharth, uh, it's great to be back on your show. Thank you for having me. It's great
0: to have you back on the show. I was looking forward to this. So we are, we are going to be talking about ESG investing and how it is gaining traction over the past few years and Just to give you a little bit of perspective into, you know, what this entire session is going to be about, I came across a very interesting report that was published on the Financial Times, which talked about the controversies surrounding ESG issues and how it has wiped out more than $500 billion in market value of large US companies over the the past five years. I mean, that's a lot of money. And uh, not only does it cost the company a lot of dollars, the impact of a controversy can be long lasting. And you know, it leaves an investor or a customer with a very bitter taste. In my opinion, negative publicity is negative publicity, period. So to give you more examples of the severity of the fines imposed due to non-compliance with ESG issues, banks in the US have been penalized north of $200 billion since the financial crisis including the likes of Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Citigroup, also Google, uh, one of the largest corporations in the world, was fined around 8 billion euros for anti-competitive practices in the EU. I mean, that's just huge. And just a year back, the Federal Trade Commission slapped a $5 billion fine on Facebook for violating privacy laws. I mean, I still remember that day when Mark Zuckerberg was testifying in front of the Senate. I think, you know, he would have regretted whatever decisions he took so you know you know all this money these companies had paid in fines that could have been saved if the companies had followed you know strong corporate governance and focus on the social aspects of the decisions they made and in today's world i think it makes business sense to be esg compliant and to continuously invest in making your company sustainable and socially aware so i've probably mentioned esg two or three times here and you are probably wondering what it means. So let's start by demystifying this term. What, what does ESG mean? And what are, what are its components?
1: Yeah. Uh, so to begin with ESG stands for environmental, social, and governance. So instead of getting into the technical part of the definition here, I would like to elaborate on how ESG is used for investing per se. So accordingly, there are, non-financial factors which are applied by the investors of their analysis to identify material risks and growth opportunities in the companies which they plan to invest in. But there are certain considerations that need to be taken care of. Firstly, ESG metrics are not commonly part of mandatory financial reporting, though companies are increasingly making disclosures in their annual report or in the standalone sustainability report. Secondly, there is no exhaustive list of ESG examples. And you know, at times it can be challenging to classify an ESG issue as to only environmental, social, or governance issue. I mean, you know, it can be interlinked. And thirdly, these ESG examples can often be measured. Like for example, if you take the employee turnover of a company, like what it is, but it is very much difficult to assign a monetary value to it. You can't come to know what is the cost of the employee turnover that the company is facing so these are the considerations that need to be kept in mind now in terms of particular factor so let's let's talk about each particular factor here so first is environmental the examples of environmental can be climate change carbon emissions air and water pollution biodiversity deforestation energy efficiency for social it can be consideration of people and relationships data protection and privacy, that you talk about Facebook, gender and diversity, employee engagement. For governance, uh, we can talk about board composition, the different committees like audit committee, a nomination committee, there is bribery and corruption, then the whistleblower schemes, which are being uh, followed by the company. So these all things uh, are covered under ESG. But you know, Siddharth, what's intriguing is the concept of ESG had been introduced decades back. So why is it started flashing right now, like frequently in these days? So what according to you is driving investments into ESG in today's world?
0: Yeah, yeah, you, you're right here. I mean, uh, investing in ESG began around 1970s and it was not a big force back then. And the reason why uh, ESG is catching in today's world is because of two factors. All right. Two major factors are driving investments in ESG right now. First first one is the regulatory changes that are happening around in Europe and America and the shift in the consumption behaviors and the cultural values of the society. So to give you examples of the regulatory changes that are happening, UK has a very ambitious target of becoming a, a net zero greenhouse emission country by 2050. And this decision of UK has prompted various sectors in the economy you know to significantly ramp up their decarbonation efforts so country took a decision and the entire sector and the entire industry backed that up which is you know driving uh, investments in esg interestingly in france there is a energy transition law which requires fund houses and institutional investors to explain how they uh, incorporate esg factors into their investment strategy so this is basically a law in France where you have to explain how you're using your investors' money, and you have to explain how it is being used for ESG factors and what your investment strategies are. Which is, I think, it's very remarkable. It, it's a groundbreaking law in my opinion. And if you if you look at Nordic countries like Denmark and Sweden, these these countries have you know ingrained a culture of sustainability and social responsibility, which is which is a cornerstone of their uh, culture as a whole. So. These are some some of the regulatory changes that have driven more investments into ESG. Apart from the regulations, the consumer awareness is also forcing companies to raise the bar when it comes to ESG. So, according to an interesting report by Bank of America, 92% of Gen Z would happily shift to a brand or a product that, that supports ESG. Given that the price and the quality of the product is the same. For millennials and for Gen Z, sustainability is a very important issue and it influences their entire purchasing decisions what this means is that if if you're a company that is promoting a product being esg compliant works in your favor and you know it could could indirectly drive sales and cre- create long term shareholder value so you really need to you know manage the decisions you take you need to be very cautious about how you you know structure your entire product and how you promote it and if you're esg compliant it could work in your favor as a company
1: Yeah, so it's basically like along with the regulatory laws, also today's generation is driving companies to comply with ESG.
0: Exactly, exactly. Also, not only the customers, if you see employees in developed countries, they have a choice Mm. of joining companies. So they are very choosy when it comes to picking up companies that they want to work with. And they'll choose only those companies that are socially aware and that take steps to create a great work environment for its employees. And you ask me why ESG is catching up now and, you know, why it was not a phenomenon back in the 1970s and 1980s. One simple reason for that is the advancement in technology. You now in this era have vast amounts of data that you can find in the public domain, which you can collect and analyze. Something, you know, which was not really possible in the 90s or the early 2000s even. And this availability of data combined with the power of advertising and social media can can make a ton of difference when when it comes to, you know, raising awareness about an issue. It just takes us, what, five seconds to post something on Instagram and that can just, you know, become viral in a matter of days. This advancement in technology itself is one of the reasons why ESG is catching on. And, you know, one bad news report is all it takes really to put a dent in the goodwill of your business. So, companies are also very cautious of how they, they are being perceived by the society. And there is an invisible hand which forces these companies to take decisions that are beneficial for the planet and for the society as a whole. And, you know, just to give you some numbers to back up my answer here, if you see the shift towards ESG investing, as of 2018, $30.7 trillion were held in assets under management in, in sustainable or green investments. All right, this number was around 13 trillion in 2012.
1: Yeah, two to three-fold shift in the EU. that's right.
0: Exactly. I mean, in, in just a matter of six years, ESG-related investments have more than doubled in AUM. So, you know, all, all these factors combined, the regulatory changes, the shift in the consumer behavior and advancement in technology, these factors combined... It is It is forcing companies and it is also making investors put their money into ESG-backed securities and ESG-related funds. And this is a very exciting area of investment. And I, I think it will uh, continue to grow in the foreseeable future. And, you know, you know, not, not only uh, investors, but companies are also making a big push towards making themselves aligned with ESG strategies. So th- this is a very interesting concept that I want to talk about with you is, you know, how companies are showcasing their ESG capabilities?
1: Yeah. So in my opinion, companies have been all over when it comes to showcasing their contribution towards ESG. I mean, you know, if you check a company's website, you'll know how efficiently they've been handling their operations so as to not harm the environment. In case of companies that are into mining or extraction business, like you can find this on their websites also. A company which is there into a service sector will display their unbiased attitude in hiring people of every gender irrespective of their race or religion speaking about equal pay between men and women. Also the companies have been tried to be transparent by displaying the composition of various committees that independently look over the operations and strategies on the website. I mean, for example, if you go on any particular company's website, you will see the composition of the audit committee, the nomination and remuneration committee and things like that. So here the thing is that I don't know how much of it is true. Even I'm not sure whether, you know, companies are doing this proactively or they are doing it in a reaction to certain things. Just to give you an example, the recent protests that happened in US for a particular community got so inflated that tech giants like google facebook amazon and others started establishing funds by contributing hundreds of millions to showcase their unbiased attitude towards all the communities showing concern towards the underprivileged also there were talks that you know microsoft is now not going to share its facial recognition tech to the police and as it is not socially correct also when you this is really good that you know when you check a job description that's been sent by a company at the bottom or at the top of the job description you'll find a note that you know company is a responsible employer it is not biased towards a particular gender and it's unbiased in terms of hiring people so you know companies are following these different mechanisms to display and showcase their contribution towards ESG or their compliance towards ESG so I think in my opinion that trend is going to continue And I think more and more companies are going to to report uh, considering ESG as a uh, benchmark. Uh, Also, you know, as in this particular thing is related to the company, but you know, as an investor, whether if I want to verify, you know, that whether the company does stand, where does the company stand on an ESG scale, what types of tools should I use or look out for? Like what are, what are the tools available for investors to find out whether the company is ranking high or low on an ESG scale?
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're talking about ESG here and it is not an easy thing to find out whether a company is ESG compliant or not. I mean, given the fact that, you know, sustainability reporting is not a thing in India. I mean, it's it's something that has been done in Europe and the US. And if you're in India and if you're finding, if you want to find disclosures relating to ESG, it's, it's not that easy. You know, you really need to get in the greens to extract that data. And, you know, even companies that do release ESG related disclosures, it's, it's not in a standard format and it's not easily comparable across industries. So it, it it gets confusing and messy at times. In my opinion, I would suggest reading the company's annual report for the past five years, since it is a company's Bible and it contains everything that you need to know about the company It, but you know annual reports are not everyone's cup of tea so to just make your work a little bit easier here are some tools you can uh, use to gain better insights about a company and you know whether it fulfills the promise of esg
1: yeah just to uh, like just to add on to it i think uh, the point that you mentioned that you know the sustainability report is not uh, is not in a standard format it's very much true that you know because there are numerous institutions like sustainable accounting standards board or the global reporting initiative. And they are all collectively working to form standards, just like the standards, like the accounting standards that we have.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So it's, it's all work in progress. And certainly in India, I mean, it's not something that has been implemented yet. So for now, what you need to do is just follow some logical steps. And the first logical step is to, you know, just get an understanding of the business model of the company and of the industry as a whole, because, you need to ask yourself questions like, does the company operate in an industry which is inherently bad towards the environment? I mean, if you're a company which is in an agricultural business or it's a, it's a livestock business, then you can't do anything about it. That's That's your entire business model. Also, you can ask questions like, does the company's business make it more susceptible to regulatory or environmental challenges? So these are some questions that you need to ask yourself before you go deeper into the ESG criterias and the business model and the industry characteristics can reveal a lot of critical information. The next step is to check the company's website. Like you said in the previous answer that, you know, companies have been taking proactive steps to just ramp up their websites. We don't know how much of that information is correct, but you know that they release a lot of information on their website so you can check whether the company has released a sustainability report disclosing the efforts that they take to positively impact the society you can also search for corporate governance reports and csr reports on the company's website corporate governance and csr reports are something which have been mandated by the companies act so if you don't find that on the company's website you can always check the annual report i mean again annual report is the bible so if if you can't find these Disclosures on the company's website or its annual reports, it indirectly tells you that this, this company is not very serious when it comes to ESG investing. Sometimes, you know, information that is not there tells you more than the information that is present. So also look out for that. And it is also very important to find out about the culture of the company. Human resource is the greatest resource of a company and how it treats its employees can tell you a lot about the future potential of the organization. And a really good place to start to analyze how a company and the management of a company is perceived is employee reviews. Glassdoor.com, AmbitionBox, Indeed.com are some some examples, you know, some platforms you can check out for finding out what the employee thinks about the company. And uh, apart from the employee, you should also take, you know, steps to find out the strength of the management and see if they have skin in the game. And what I mean by that is, you know, whether the CEO and the board of directors have significant holding in the stock of the company, the top management or the CEO, if they have a sizable position in stock of the company, they have a personal incentive on creating long term shareholder value and not just focus on, you know, quarterly earnings or, you know, increase in EPS. So it gives the management a long term focus and the company is in a better position and it's, you know, you can rely on that, you know, that the management will steer the company for creating long-term shareholder value. And just to close this out, a lot of people don't really pay attention to this aspect, but, you know, managerial remuneration is also very important. For example, if a company's management takes a cut when the company is struggling, for example, uh, I don't need to go further than if if you're looking at COVID, it has impacted every business out there. And if the management comes out and says that, you know, We are going to take a cut to our pay so that, you know, our balance sheet is intact and so that we can pay our employees. That tells you that the management really wants this company to succeed and it is working for the shareholders. So look out for that managerial remuneration. It tells you about Mm -hmm. the company's vision as well.
1: So like just to, you know, summarize the points that you just mentioned, I think the first one was to understand the business model and the industry as a whole. Then you mentioned about company's website, like checking the company's website regarding the corporate governance and the CSR reports. The important part that you mentioned here was about the culture of the company. That is something that I really uh, found interesting and like just the way people say that, you know, your uh, your employees are your assets of the company. So that is one thing that I really liked about it. And the last that you ended with was the managerial remuneration.
0: Exactly, exactly. So, so these are some powerful tools that you can use for making any investment decisions, not only ESG, before you make any decision, you can use these tools to just shortlist your investment, shortlist your company. So, you know, coming to the question of ESG investing and this entire session that we're having the most important question, I think is, you know, as a retail investor or as an individual investor in India, What are some of the financial instruments that are available to me that would give me a bite into ESG companies?
1: Uh, right so in india for the af category by af category i mean that you know where the corporates required for investment is minimum one crore we have a company called as avendus capital which manages the fund called avendus india esg fund so this fund called as avendus india esg fund was india's first esg fund so it is basically by the name as the name suggests it is an alternative investment fund focused on providing investors the opportunities for long-term risk adjusted returns by investing in companies companies that practice sound environmental, social and governance policies. Also for our retail investors, the uh, mutual fund industry is always quick to capitalize on such themes and has rolled out new funds for our investors based on ESG investing too. So for our retail investors, currently there are 3 funds namely Excess ESG fund, Quantum India ESG equity fund and the SBI Magnum equity fund uh, which follow the ESG investment strategies in India. Uh, also, there are other fund houses such as uh, ICICI Prudential, DSP, Aditya Birla, Kotak, and BNP. Like They have also filed for draft offer documents with SEBI and are awaiting approval so that even they can launch their ESD funds. I think uh, to consolidate and to wrap this up, uh, there is a huge scope ahead in ESD investing and it will definitely be helpful to the investors by filtering out the companies that are not sustainable and are value traps. You know.
0: Definitely, definitely. And just before I let you go, you know, for people who don't know about AIFs, I mean, what exactly is an AIF and you know, what is the minimum investment limit when it comes to AIFs? Like can a a retail investor invest in an AIF?
1: Uh, Well, basically, uh, AFs are high-risk, high-return sort of instruments uh, wherein uh, they are not suitable for retail investors because of the risk appetite that the retail investor has. And also, if you look at the corpus requirement, it is uh, 1 crore and above. So, this instrument, according to me, is actually not suitable to the retail investor. For the retail investors, they have uh, the mutual funds that are available. Those mutual funds are there investing into this ESG theme strategies. So, according to me, I don't think so that, you know, AIF category is uh, suitable for a retail investor.
0: Alright, alright. So, thank you Pranav for hopping on today's show. I think, you know, this This is a topic which is not really covered and I think you added some really great points. So, it was great to have you on the show. Thank you, Siddharth. Alright, guys. So, that does it for today's edition of Bazaar. People on the show may have certain recommendations to buy or sell securities. So, Don't buy or sell securities based on what you hear. Do your own research. Dive deep into the annual reports, like I said before, before you take any informed decision. That does it for today. We will see you next week.